everybody. Welcome to Roasted Pitch. My name is Anthony Morris, and I'm joined by my co-host Lauren Green and Michael Brown. We hope you had a good week since we've last kikied and talked with each other. I know we've had some quality weeks going on. First, Michael, um, you had your recital. How did that go? What are your things? Also, congratulations as a listener. It was fantastic. So how do you feel? Thank you. Um, I feel relieved. The minute I got done playing the last piece, my shoulders dropped and I said, oh, I can breathe. Because <laughs> um, we all know how stressful it is, like especially this time of year, all the performances, all the papers, all this. So just, just to get that stuff out of the way, like the stuff I enjoy more, even though I was nervous about it, it was good to get out of the way. It was fun. If you want a recording message relative pitch or me or anything and i'll send it to you um but no it was it was great to know that my friends were also watching so it was it was a fun experience yeah i mean i I think the one good thing about the pandemic and maybe i don't know if uh, western already had done this but being able to live stream recitals through their the actual university Uh, through the school of music some um you know you know talking about it like i really hope um there are some good things that come out of this whole pandemic. And I hope this thing actually continues of like live streaming events because I want to support my friends and they're all across the country, all across the world. And I also want to listen to different ensembles. So this is a good thing about it. Um, So hopefully this will continue. This would be like- I think it will. I mean, some some places I knew already would do that where people themselves would be, oh, I'm doing a Facebook stream for it and everything. But the fact that now universities are doing it where students can use their nice quality cameras and facilities, Mm -hmm. like I think that should definitely be a thing because why would you not allow your your students, you know, to use the facilities that they technically pay to be in anyway? Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, this past week has been kind of- um, kind of of pretty rough I would think when it comes to what's been happening in regards to gun violence in the the U.S. and I just want to say that the fact that there has been over 146 I believe mass shootings in 2021 it is April okay it is April there has been I think even 45 mass shootings in the past month when it's so sad when you think about the fact that that's become a normal thing, like every day, there is a very high chance of there being a mass shooting. What? Mm-hmm. And it's not just one area, it's everywhere in the United States. And it's so like, the fact that it's like, oh, well, yeah, nothing's being done about it because nothing is being done about it. Like what, what have we seen being passed or being changed that what's happening like to help control these situations if we want to say oh it's not the guns it's the people who do it well then maybe we should figure out ways in order to not allow these people who you want to say have all these mental health issues or whatever to have these guns there needs to be a better system to make sure they don't go into the wrong hands listen my family my brother's a cop my dad growing up always had guns in the house but guess what they didn't go around killing people so i don't i would think that that's okay if you wanted to have your gun and protect your rats and your ha- whatever. That's fine. Just don't go shooting people. <laughs> I mean, my southern accent. Yeah, I, I said what I said. She's so sedity. I didn't know it existed in her. Oh, that that really came that little country about her. No, it was so natural too. But I mean, my family 
we support the right to bear arms and all this other stuff, but we we bullets and bangs are kept completely different in two separate rooms in a safe. Like it's just all like we do all the precaution because we have nephews, nieces, and all that running around. I just also want to say, we are on day one oh seven of the year, day one oh seven, and we've had I think what Lauren said, 141 to 147. Yeah, around that, like at least. Day 107. Um, one more time, 107. Okay, I'm done. The fact that that means more than one per day, basically, is what's happening right now. The, I think the latest one that I, I've at least seen on my own eyes through like uh, social media and Twitter and everything has been the mass shooting in Indianapolis. And the fact that I think it was a situation where the suspect, he used to work there. He was all, actually, I just read an article saying that his mother spoke about how he was already being watched by the FBI. Like he was, there was, you know, already, he was already on the list. And then this just happens. And those victims whose lives were claimed, I mean, they didn't even get to have their say goodbye, you know, to their people. And that's just, it's so disheartening. And the idea of you can't even go anywhere. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go out with friends shopping to the, you know, can't do anything without the likelihood of just that one trip being the one thing that kills you. And it's just, oh, it's sick. It's sick. Um, like, Here's two things. Um, and I'm, yes, for all the listeners, yes, I'm about to make it about race. So if you don't <laughs> like it, you can skip on, okay? So that's what I'm going to do because we have some of y'all, how we read your comments. And so uh, this is directed to you. Um, mm -hmm. Number one, um, if say a black man was placed on a FBI watch list, mm -hmm. let's just say that black man would not be on the street for a year. Oh yeah. And let, let me just, let me explain something. This was his mother that mm -hmm. called the FBI. Mm -hmm. A black man only needed some bystander that lives uh, a whole right. city over just to say, hey, this is suspicious. He would have been gone. Gone. Taken off the street. Snatched. Going somewhere. So this right here is one showing privilege, mm -mm -mm. showing how he was unstable, but still somehow had a chance to get a gun. Right. I'm, if the FBI calls about something going on, why does he still have a gun in the first place? Exactly. Then he comes to a job that he had um, and starts going off on a whole shooting spree and the people couldn't even make a call or a text to say uh, this is happening because they didn't have their phones mm -hmm. um, because they have to put it up before they go to work. Yeah. I'm sorry, like it, that that does not sit well with me whatsoever. All this stuff happening, like I whenever one day when I hopefully am blessed with children, they will have cell phones on them at school for oh, this absolutely. exact reason, for for more reasons than just that. But the idea of me being able to them them knowing they can reach out to me and I'll be like, what's happening? You know, like because I mean, I as a parent, I could call people to go help. I could myself go help. I could just know that I'm communicating with my child. But yeah, this idea of like. Why do we have to feel like, you know, you have to take everything away from a person when they have to go in for a job? What's wrong with them having their phone in their back pocket? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, it's just so sad. Uh, it's just I didn't like it, but uh, I just think that is just utterly disgusting. And it is, it has become a norm. A norm. Yep, unfortunately. 
Because I, I, in two weeks, I'm pretty sure no one will be talking about this. No, no. Just like no one's probably going to talk about what we're about to transition to, which, you know, they've had a year to kind of redefine being a policeman, being how do we handle traffic stops? How do we do this? And in a year, nothing has worked. Nothing has changed. During the trial of the man who's, who uh, placed his knee mm. around a black man's neck for, for nine minutes. minutes? Nine. Nine minutes? Yeah, and we, I think all three of us participated in the Kennesaw mm-hmm. uh, March uh, protest, and we kneeled for that long. It yeah. hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I, literally, I was wearing shorts uh, on the pavement. I started bleeding on the pavement from being on that. My my out of shape behind. I, I had to change knees. I changed knees like five times. Because first of all, so during the trial um, of what's going on, and less than twenty minutes away, mm-hmm. here's another accidental killing of an unarmed black man. And, and I know. Uh, and let me let me just preface and i know some of you is gonna say well this person he tried to run let me just tell you when you are a black person getting stopped with not one not two but three police officers all surrounding you i would be scared me personally would be very scared for my life because of what has been going on uh, since um, about the 1500s. Mm-hmm. What I want to say about that too is for anyone, you know, who wants to say, well, if he would have just complied, that wouldn't have happened. First of all, that's a, let me say, first of all, that's a lie because mm-hmm. we have seen multiple instances where people of color have complied mm-hmm. with police and they still end up dead. How does that work? So if you say, well, if you comply, you you won't be killed. Well, they have been. Okay, well then, you know, in that heat of the moment, I can see someone going, I could be killed no matter what I do in this situation. Right. Because it has been shown that that can happen. You can die whether you resist or whether you do not. And in the heat of the moment, you might go, I, I'm going to try to get out of here. Now, am I like justifying it or saying that like, whatever, like, he, yes, we saw the footage. He tried to run. This is what I want to really mainly point out though. In the video, we see the gun, right? <laughs> How in the world do you think, because this is a whole thing. If the, the man would have just been tased and everything. It would not be what the situation is now, right? Because most likely if he would have been tased and it, the situation would have been properly handled, he would still be alive. My issue is that there were other officers there. The officer herself holding the gun wasn't able to see that that was the gun. And apparently these are highly trained officers. We watched the video. We see that that is a gun. Literally from the body cam, we know it's a gun. First of all, a gun handle and a taser handle legit feels different. If you don't know, I think this lady, she was on the like police. She was higher up. So that means she's had to have some years. You don't know the difference between a taser and a gun. First of all, you shouldn't be an officer in the first place. Shouldn't. And if you're thinking, oh, in the heat of the moment, I just could. Isn't it your job to not give in to the the problem? 
to you're supposed to bring the situation down, not do this. Hmm. And it just it's just the, the the gun should be the last possible option, even if it is an option for a police arsenal. Like there is many ways to like a taser. Yes, maybe I I still don't like it, but use it before you use a Glock, which also, by the way, doesn't have like a safety. Um, if they were using a Glock, I don't know what what they use. To be honest, I'm not a policeman. I'm a trumpet player, but I can Google police taser versus police gun, and they look quite different. Even the tasers, so they're usually yellow, but there's mm-hmm. also the black ones. But right. the 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 bulk of it, like the what is it called, the end of it, we're gonna call it yeah. the end because we're musicians, does not look like a pistol at yeah. all. So uh, I just don't, I just don't understand. And one fatal shot. That's all. That one takes is one fatal shot killed him it's just sickening and the thing about it is it didn't have to happen that way no matter if he resisted or whatever he he himself he didn't have a gun if if you the I, the only situation where i see uh, a gun being used justifiably is if your life was in danger and most of these situations we have found that people have been unarmed meaning they had nothing on them to hurt you, to kill you, like with their body, yeah. But like, I we have seen police takedowns. Like my parents watch cops, so I've seen them handle situations where they do not have to draw out guns in order for to detain people. And we've seen them with these people who do mass shootings, who have these huge guns and everything. They're able to detain them perfectly fine without a s- scratch on their face. Now, how in the world can you kill eight, ten, twenty, fifty people and then walk out not only alive? but well and then you a traffic stop happens you don't have a gun on you and you end up dead mm-hmm. that's the that's the problem and that's the that is the difference that i w- want to talk about and i want to bring out is the way that certain people are handled versus how other people are handled in other situations mm-hmm. that's the problem mm-hmm. i i'm i'm looking at uh i, I w- i'll try to share real quick but it's d- disabled but I'm looking at the exact police models of what they have. First of all, the taser is 0.45 pounds. The gun is 1.38 pounds. There's an obvious difference. Like obvious. And it's just, it just, I just, I, I, there needs to be a change. But we said this a year ago. A lot of people shouted this a year ago. Um, body cams are not enough no they're not because people are disabling them or they're using the evidence to go well it seemed like she wanted to deploy this one instead sick i would be curious to see how their belt looks um like where the taser is compared to where the gun is because like if they wanted to deploy it why are they near each other first that shouldn't happen second if they're not near each other then that's a blatant line right if if you if you if they were on like opposite sides that there's no excuse even if they were you should know like you just have muscle memory if you're good at if you know what you're doing you will have muscle memory of knowing where things are how they feel all those things i would never pick up i don't even know like i could never like grab my flute put it hold it the wrong way or like even my two different flutes i could feel them and go this is not my yamaha this is my pal this is like without looking at it because it's something if you again if you're good at your job you know what you're doing you have that and it's your part of your training Mm -hmm. so what what's all this money going to 
huh? What's all this money that you apparently need for all these police officers who are supposed to be doing their job? If they don't even know how to do their job, what what's what are they doing? Yep. Great it's question. going to all the fancy, stupid, unnecessary cars and all these other things that they supposedly need for the job. Before we before we section on to our next part, um, down here in Florida, uh, the first time I saw this, I thought it was completely, I thought somebody had just pimped out their car. A Ford Mustang GT 2021 yeah. is a cop car. And I thought it was a joke because I saw it pulling over somebody and it was blue lights. And I was like, maybe this is a joke. Then I come literally like three days later, I, I now see that is their car. This is their police car that has been fitted into uh, like a actual police car. That's where the money is going. And that is, that is why we're still here right now mm. was it one of the undercover models that they have rolling out or was it like like with the police on the side uh no yeah it was the undercover because it, it literally that's why i thought it was a joke because i thought it was the regular yeah. mustang that, that's yeah. what i thought it was but no i saw a dually a dually truck if you don't know what a dually is that means they have like the two sets of wheels in the back they were hauling butt with like i think it was brown or black like police lights hauling. I was like, this is how we know there's undercover cops. Mm. Um, and yeah, so mm, interesting. It's just like it, the, it just doesn't make any sense to me. If you have that much money with for resources and everything and you can't train your people to not kill, like whenever it's unnecessary to, unlawful to, you, yeah, you need to be defunded. <laughs> like if you, but where is that money going? Because yep. if, oh, maybe we need to put more money into it. No, you have plenty. You have, you're, you're fine. You're Reallocate it to what is supposed to be to better training for these people so that our people are not slaughtered because of the lack of your training for your officers. I'm sick of it. Anyway, ciao. Look, Continue. you know, I, we will talk about this for honestly the rest of our lives. So, unfortunately. But unfortunately. in the meantime. But if you want to transition over. Um, in light of all that, we are going to transition to our wonderful interview with Mr. Billy Hunter. Today, we have Mr. Billy Hunter joining us. He is co-principal of the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and professor of trumpet at University of Texas at Austin. Hello, Mr. Hunter. Could you give us a little brief background? Uh, great, yeah. Um... Thanks, Michael. Uh, nice to be here. Um, yeah, so um, I, um, um, uh, I guess officially um, the, during the pandemic year, I uh, joined the, the faculty at the University of Texas at Austin as a professor of trumpet, uh, which is my alma mater. I went there um, as an undergraduate and uh, studied with uh, the great Ray Crisera, um, who's, you know, the basically been my um, trumpet idol uh, since I, you know, started studying with him. Uh, helps me to, like, he was also a New Yorker and, like, kind of guided me, like, through my uh, earlier trumpet years. Um, so, yeah, um, um, four years, f excuse me, five years at University of Texas at Austin. Um, after that, I uh, did two years at the Juilliard School 
for a master's degree, studied with Ray Mace and Martin Gould. Um, and then after that, I did a, a stint with the New World Symphony, uh, three years with the New World Symphony, uh, which was like a uh, fantastic part of my uh, musical career as it um, really um, helped me to uh, develop uh, my professional um, skills as a trumpet player in orchestra alongside with working with uh, uh, well-known conductors and then fantastic colleagues. Um, the, that group in particular um, now has several musicians in all over the world and playing in different orchestras. It's a great organization. And of course, uh, it's um, the founder, Michael Tilson Thomas. I have a, a running relationship with him. In fact, I'm actually doing um, a project with him in New World Symphony next week, I believe. Uh, so it's you know, a lot of fun. But after New World Symphony, um, well, while I was down in, in New World Symphony, I, it's where I discovered meditation. It was the meditation uh, for me that uh, was, my, was a breakthrough and uh, helped me to win auditions. Um, then after New World Symphony, I, um, it's basically when I wanted to start it with the Met about roughly um, 16, 17 years ago. Wow. that's a brief brief introduction so that's wow today. <laughs> yeah i mean that was like already so much within that like <laughs> two minute frame um so yeah. going back to just i guess you know we're all students so it's um it's nice to kind of understand like how like other people's education was and how it framed them and for you it's so unique that you got to not only go to an amazing school such as ut austin but also you're back teaching how is that like how is it being back at your alma mater and actually being like a professor there yeah it's like a, um interesting um like i um i mean for for me um my undergraduate years were were, were something you know, i mean uh, i guess a little further background you know i really didn't have a a private lesson teacher in high school um, um, but uh, my band director was very 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 like a special person like he you know, I didn't have like a proper instrument you know uh, funds you know any of that stuff didn't play in youth orchestra <laughs> but one thing um, I did do you know I had a I, I, I was really fortunate to have like a great teachers um, um, at a high school that's now, um, I think the high school changed the name or they were going to close it or something because of grades, the state grades or whatever, you know. But um, my band director in particular, he was, you know, fantastic at, you know, inspiring kids, especially kids who didn't, who didn't necessarily have the means uh, or, or, the, or the way to get into band practice, you know. But he inspired you know, even kids who aren't even musicians to this day was like, oh, I remember band because he inspired every kid in there. It's like, look, you know, um, you know, don't settle for less than the best you can do. You know, get your mm -hmm. grades up so you can play in band. Because mm -hmm. back then it was like no pass, no play. Right. In effect in Texas, right? So, right. <laughs> so the whole band program was like inspired by this guy. And like he, you know, his philosophy set with me. And so, you know, you know, I, I constantly just practice, you know, the, the music and, and was, was just kind of hungry. And so I would listen all the time, which is kind of like, I think the big thing is listening as a musician, listening to a tons of music. And then when I got to college, you know, um, it was you know, 
uh, aside from having the great teachers, it was listening, like constantly listening. And I got the listening from not my band director in high school, but my Latin teacher in high school. Uh, they made an announcement on a PA system. It's like, oh, Billy made the All-State Band. It's like, oh. He's like, oh, great. It's like, fantastic. And so the next day when I went to class, I, I come in, and he's playing this uh, this tape. <laughs> Everyone knows what a tape is, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that tape. He, like, it's like, it was like Mahler 5. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you don't know that? He goes, Are you, he's like, you play trumpet, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'm like, whoa. And so he proceeded after that to just make me a tape every week. It's because I, I, mean, I had a cassette player. He's like, all right, here, I'll make you a tape. He just made a tape of just various different pieces of music. I think it was Bach, Debussy, um, uh, um, Mahler. And I was like, whoa, what is this stuff? You know, Because I was only used to um, uh, actually listening to band music, band, <laughs> pop, church music and uh, gospel yep and, like, and rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, and, so, and so i'm like this is some interesting you know so and, and long story short you know i got a bunch of long story short, i ended up going to this guy's house um and he was a huge music file he had like 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 um binders of like music like like uh, alphabetized like from classical music and he had rock music, and he had um, like uh, like jazz, everything, like a, a ton of music. And I was like, "Whoa, this is insane, insane!" This guy, you know, he was a, a high school teacher that had like the demeanor of like a Harvard professor, I would say, you know. But anyway, like back to the UT teaching. It's like uh, for me, it's like uh, an absolute honor because he was my uh, teacher, um, mm -hmm. you know, Ray Ray Crisera, and like. He, you know, what he did for myself and uh, and several other trumpet players, it's like, uh, you know, just, you know, I mean, I'm, like, I feel like I'm forever indebted <laughs> to, to this man's uh, like tutelage and like uh, just what he instilled in me is like, yeah, I kind of want to make sure I, I do that and so you know, I I started before I got the position, I started um, a scholarship, you know, for for the school. Um, that you know that was fully funded within the first year because of his students had so much respect for him they're like yeah of course we're gonna support wow. that you know that's that's how much how influential and so like going back I, you know it's like kind of a lot of pressure on on me i feel like it's like ah you know i want to you know i want to do him proud to make sure you know mm -hmm. um that we have like a you know legitimate like trumpet studio you know but it's you know uh, I'm sure that'll <laughs> settle down after a while, you know, sure. my, like yeah. first year there. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, getting used to and like in uh, the behind the scenes stuff that I didn't know existed, you know, <laughs> in academia. So but um, but what's interesting for me is that, you know, um, um, is, is, and I'm very appreciative of this. You know, I, you know, he was my teacher, my other teacher at Juilliard. Um, um, uh, one of my other teachers at Juilliard, Mark Gould, was used to be the principal at the Met, you know. So, I am, you know, in my lifetime, I managed to 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 get positions of uh, both of my teachers, you know. And wow. so I, I feel like, you know, and, and even if at the Met, you know, just indebted, you know, to like doing uh, a, a great job and like um, 
and, and try my best to, to live up like, um, like to the standard or at least maintain the standard, you know? Right. Yeah. What I loved about what you just, you know, talked about going back to your education is that you started with high school and that's something that, you know, we get to the professional realm and people don't really talk about it a lot. And it's crazy because if I go back and think about how I actually started this journey for myself into music, it goes back to even middle school because I went to the same six through 12 and my band director was the person who he pushed me. He was like, go take lessons, go do competitions, go do like summer festivals. Like he was the one who like put that fire under me. And, you know, anytime, like I was like, I kind of want to do this. He was like, do it, you know, absolutely do it. And, you know, I, I'm always so so happy that we're getting programs like, you know, Atlanta's talent development program and um, all the other youth programs that are literally aiming for minority students and POC students who are at like title one schools because they're like gold mines. And we don't even, we don't even know the amount of talents that, that go like undiscovered because students don't have the means to do like things like that, to even have an instrument do private lessons. And people don't understand how like it's a privilege to be able to do those things, you know? And um, it just makes me wonder, like, how many more musicians of color will we see out in the field now if everyone had that fighting chance of going into that field? I just love that you talked about that. Right. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. You, you, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, the, the whole privilege uh, thing, because like um, one of the things I do remember, well, two things. Well, uh, for me, it definitely started in, in middle school because um, my assistant band director, a guy by the name of Leon Prowsey, um, he was the one who kind of got me practicing. Like, uh, I, I walked in the band hall, and, like, he was playing Maynard Ferguson Chameleon. And I, I literally, I was, I was like, ah, ah. I'm like, what, what is, is that? It's, it's so hot. I was like, is that a trumpet? But it's too high for trumpet. He goes, no, it's a trumpet. It's Maynard Ferguson. And so, of course, he gave me a tape, so... Um, so before I was listening to that stuff, I was listening to Maynard Ferguson. And so I went home and immediately started practicing on how to, you know, play high notes and stuff like that. But, you know, as, as far as this uh, you know, other subject, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the thing for me is like, I, you know, there are people there who open doors. Right. And, and I, and I feel so, you know, um, uh, blessed that I can you know had those opportunities and that I actually walked through the door you know that that window of opportunity um because it's like you know being a black musician is very very difficult in especially in classical music um, there's so <laughs> many so many like I I, I can't I, I just have like a plethora of stories you know? <laughs> from 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 middle school until now and mm -hmm. all categories and um you know one of the things i did notice is like you know we went to um i can't remember elementary school maybe or or junior we went to to see the nutcracker and i just remember it's like man any black folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah where, where are they yep. you know I, and 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 that's and that's like you know having representation is like a really big thing for for me and that mm -hmm. i'm starting to um because I, you know, I, I, I look, you know, on like orchestra roster. I actually go on the website. It's like, boop, right? Yeah. It's like, how do, we, how many do we have? Yep. In the in the New York Philharmonic. It's like, oh. Yes. Yep. 
Oh, that's exactly what we do. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. It's like, and, and I'm like, I'm sure there's more. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, and it's a combination of like, you know, representation and like, mm -hmm. uh, like having the confidence to actually go out and take auditions because you feel like you don't belong yeah. and this, you know, and so, um, uh, I, I really and truly believe it's like, um, you know, my job, you know, uh, now, uh, you know, to, you know, as an educator and as a like performer to, you know, let's, let's bring, step up this awareness, you know. It's like we're definitely like out there and like i've heard several several young talented um uh trumpet trumpet players of, of color you know and not just uh male trumpet players you know mm -hmm. like uh, some some burning um women trumpet players as well mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. a and, and it's um it's a it's a it's a broader world than what's uh, represented, I think, um, and it's a and, and it's a one of those all inclusive things. All levels have to kind of be open minded for change, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and change, you know, or make the new normal, right? And it's a and it's not just um, um, <laughs> it's like a diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity. Yep. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm things you know um and so you know getting these three things and getting people to understand you know it's like look yeah we got this we got this and we got this you know we got yep. years of of all this stuff and so let's see what we can do to like you know yes let's 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 move forward right art yes. is supposed to be progressive right yes you know, we are supposed to be we yes. are supposed to be emphasis on the supposed to and i um i wanted to know what has been your journey as a black musician as you know starting where you started going through um i mean a lot of people look at becoming co-principal of the med as like the creme de la creme you're at the top how has your journey as a black musician how has that been what are some of the challenges you faced some of the experiences um that you've kind of witnessed right so uh, with the met in particular i, I kind of want to emphasize like um so the way the the Met auditions work, you go in and you you play behind a screen for the prelims, the semifinals, the finals, and the superfinals, all screened. So um, I don't think it's like a, a surprise that you know um, at you know at some point the Met you know had the most um, like a, a black people in one mm -hmm. orchestra. Because it was screened. <laughs> in fact, you know, uh, it was you know, three of us got in within two years. Uh, me, myself, Weston, Sprott, Anthony mm -hmm. McGill, we were mm -hmm. all like kind of came in around the same time, you know. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like it's like boom, <laughs> here we are. It's like it's like like what 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 you know? <laughs> you know well, what's interesting is like um, so you know before that you know um. Like as as far as like encouragement, um, mm -hmm. I was always encouraged like in like in church like to play. Oh, Billy, come on, play, play Amazing Grace. Someone's like, yeah. ah, right, 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 you know. <laughs> and if I messed up, it's like a ba 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 da ba da, you know. They're like, all right, you just yeah, that's good, that's all right, baby. You play that horn, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um and and it was like it's like all right, so you know through that it it kind of built up confidence, right? Mm -hmm. and so um. 
but I, you know, I always get once again. I, I guess you know, I'm now that I'm thinking about it, and I always kind of liked listening to music, um, and so I, I would always listen to music and try to imitate stuff because that's how mm. I like learned you know, at least mm-hmm. through trumpet. Um, but um, just like several things, like I remember being um, like in in junior high school, and one of my like trumpet colleagues, you know, like he used to. You know, he's just you know, yeah, nah, nah, dude. He's like, he's like, there's no, he's like, black people don't play, play classical music. <laughs> he's just a kid, right? And um, mm-hmm. he's like, hey, what else did he say? He said something. He's like, yeah, you're not gonna, there's just no way you're gonna, you know, win and do 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 well with, uh, you know, with that that trumpet you have, you know, because that thing's like a piece of junk. And I was like, ah, completely discouraged, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And that was before I heard the Maynard Ferguson. Then I started like, you know, because I'm just kind of ornery. I'm like, ah, I just want to play, you know. And so I started, I did pretty well. And then I got in my freshman year in high school, I auditioned for all these competitions and got absolutely nowhere, right? Um, and I was like, ah, it's like, I don't know. But I, but I loved listening to like um, um, this Wynton Marcellus was a little, the, uh, what, was, what album was that, uh, Michael? The um, Is it the Carnival? No, no, no. Well, that one too, but like uh, the one I used to lose, the Haydn, Hummel. Oh, um. That one. But it was that album, the one where he has like the E yeah. flat trumpets. And so I'm sitting on my B flat trumpet. It was like, ah, I can't get that sound, you know. Um, but anyway, um, the, my band director uh, in the high school told the superintendent of the Austin AISD, he's like, look, this kid, you know, he he's he, he's talented. You got to you know, help him out. And so he came. He, he, uh, this guy, the the superintendent was a trumpet player, and so he bought, he came to the band rehearsal and presented this trumpet to me, and like, it's like I'm like wow, and I was like you know, and I and you know my buddy, uh, this guy Scott, he was he was super not you know it's like yeah great congrats, but it, you know and it, it definitely wasn't it was an upgrade from my student model Bundy, but uh you know <laughs> it, it, but it, you know it, it wasn't like you know professional great instrument but like just that little bit of inspiration you know like you know really like got me going and right and so um and so i was like all right this is great you know but yeah so i would go to these competitions and i'm like wow hmm and i started I was like okay well maybe this this is the way it was supposed to be because i don't see any black folks you know and my band was predominant like my school was like 60 percent black right Mm-hmm. The band was like mostly black, and mm-hmm. what what I like about sorry I keep talking about this band director. His name is Gary Faust, by the way. This guy, you know, he came in and like you know the band typically would get like in these band competitions like you get one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. They would always get twos and threes. His first year he came in, he inspired that band, and like it was the first time the band had gotten a one, and it was just like like people were into it, and it was and, mm-hmm. and it was. It was great, and he inspired. He's like, "Yeah, I want you." He goes, "I want, I want to see some all staters my freshman year. I want like, whoever gets the all state. I'll put your picture on the wall." I'm like, "All right, that's gonna be me." First <laughs> <laughs> year, it was myself and my my other. Uh, he played bass clarinet. He was super talented. He was like a bass player. It was me and him. Then like uh, the second year, you know, it was like a couple other people, you know. And but it it was it was great, you know. And so, you know. For me, I had like a kind of a, you know, I kind of felt at home because they were talented, 
black musicians in my high school band. Mm-hmm. But when I go to these competitions, it's like, oh, man, I don't. It's like, ah. And so I'm like, all right, well, whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because I, I still had the band to. And so, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, moving on to college, I started noticing it like even more. It's like, like wow. Hmm. It's like, and then, but I, you know, I kind of kept. It's like, well, it's like Billy, don't, you know, um, it's like don't, don't, don't let it bother you. But, and I forgot to mention this, but my mom always said this one, one thing. He's like, look, you know, being a black person, whatever you do, to be uh, considered on the same level, you have to be three, three times better. You know, to be considered on the same level. And so what I did, you know, all the people who had the better instruments, you know, I just listened to what they were doing and I would just do it and like practice it three times over. Like and and and, and from junior high, high school, mm-hmm. college. That's what yep. I did. And and going in understanding like, all right, like I have to be three times better, you know. When I was in college I wanted to go to these music festivals and things like that. Um um, I did a couple competitions, um, like, uh, you see a Kingsville competition. Yep. And I'm like, all right, the Kingsville's international is in Texas. And it's like, I was like, Ooh, how much money? It's like, Oh, a couple thousand. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. It's like, all right. So I figured out, I was like, right, I need to at least get to this spot, you know? So, cause I, I can't afford to go down. You know? And so mm-hmm. every competition I entered, I just, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to win some of this. Or at least I'm gonna break even, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. So, um, sorry, oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was gonna say, I remember like learning that fact that you that your mom said to you, yeah. becoming best friends with Lauren and Anthony. So I came from Middle Georgia, which was not extremely diverse compared to Atlanta and Kennesaw area. When I moved up there, and within my first year, became best friends with Lauren and Anthony. And just watching them go through day-to-day life compared to me, which I was like, and then like my brain's like, I'm learning that I have a certain privilege that they don't. And then just learning that fact and then learning that they have to be extremely better than everybody that is white next to them to get the same result, to get the same like admiration. And it was very like eye-opening in undergrad. Yeah. And I will have to say, like, you know, me and me and Anthony did not like beat Michael over the head and be like, you have privilege. Right. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is not the situation. What happened was as we all became the, you know, the people who we are and the friends that like we are, it, it's something he just saw. When you're friends, you see how you're uh, the people in your circle, how they right. perceive things, how other people perceive them, the way that, cause you see them and you go, you're way better than that person. Why in the world would they do that to you whenever? It, and it's just, it becomes yeah. like, oh, like right. I see it now. So yeah. another indicator. And cause Anthony asked me this question. He was like, Michael, how many African-American trumpet players are in major orchestras? I, and I literally could only think of two. Yourself and Taga Larson. <laughs> and Lee, I had to. That's pretty much I was it. Like, <laughs> there's only two? There has to be more. And that's when I was like, something's wrong. And then yeah. that's like, that's going to segue into the Sphinx Orchestra and your work with. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, sorry. I, uh, our friend. The Sphinx Zoom. Orchestra? Yeah, Sphinx Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
So I, you know, I, I'm, I played in the Sphinx uh, Orchestra, I think, like, either the first, I can't remember, it was the, I think it was the second or the third year of the, of the competition. Um, and there I met, you know, like, uh, uh, Langston Fitzgerald, who was a uh, um, ex-Prince, uh, uh, second trumpet in Baltimore Symphony. Uh, you know, wonderful, and it was like a great community. Like, and I had, you know, uh, that's actually where I went, met Weston Sprott as well. We, uh, um, you know, we have this this orchestra, you know, uh, uh, black Latino uh, uh, people. It's like, man, it's like this is like, you know, kind of felt for me, like uh, like my high school band, like uh, the, you know, and uh, and so uh, it was from that, you know, fast forward many years later. Now, Sphinx is like, um, they're doing uh, uh, wonderful things. They have the competition, which is great and all, but like. Uh, their education, um, what they're doing with the, the education programs, I think it's like probably going to be even more um, uh, beneficial for like um, uh, our cause in the future. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, I guess um, my how I take part in Sphinx now, you know, I'm, I've definitely helped out with this program, the NAS. I don't know if you all know what this is, NAS. It's a, a I guess it's under the umbrella of Sphinx, um, National Audition Alliance Support. And so it's a program that um, um, you apply for it. And that's, uh, from my experience, been young professionals. You go in, you have uh, uh, coachings, master classes from uh, coaches in, in major orchestras around the US. You can apply for assistance uh, and going to auditions. Um, you could get private lessons uh, from these players uh, around the country, and um, and it's a, a, a really wonderful program that has uh, Sphinx, New World Symphony, I think Curtis, I want to say uh, U of M, I think uh, involved. So a couple of major like uh, uh, Juilliard, maybe I don't I'm not, I'm not I don't know about Juilliard, but um, um, uh, major uh, schools um, that's actually giving. Um, yeah, you know, it's a you know, these are uh, people of uh, like color actual audition support, right? And I and I want to emphasize this support because that's what is definitely needed uh, yes. in this day and age for taking auditions. Um, you know, even even if you manage to actually win a position, is that once again is support. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was floating around Facebook, Wynton Marcellus, that one album he was talking about. Uh, did you read that, Michael, where he was he was in? Um, yes. I forget which country he was in, but the orchestra, you know, they were laughing. It was the him. album you were talking about, I believe. Yes. I, it, yes. He was recording, uh, I think, the Haydn, but he was mm -hmm. like, I think, I think getting nervous or something, feeling yes. like he wasn't supposed to be there. And the conductor just talked him through it was like, it's going to be okay. You're here for a reason. Right. You are making an album for, for a reason. Go show mm -hmm. everybody your talent. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, Winton's Hayden Hummel, anything Winton has recorded, it's one of the best. Yeah. And so uh, well, so what I gathered from that is like, look, you know, everyone, everyone needs support. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. where, you know, I, I found that, you know, um, yeah, in, in the, uh, that I had, you know, middle school, high school, um, um, college, you know, uh, and, and post-college, uh, I had support, 
and like not everyone mm-hmm. has support you know mm-hmm. and like that support is is uh, it does wonders you know it's like um a mother and child you know that you know you uh, that child needs his mother right you know or father as well you know uh for that support and that support makes a huge difference in confidence yes um, and how you carry yourself you know like you belong you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. um and even still you know i, I mean i'm you know, the 16 years, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a member, but it's like the feeling of, you know, th- do I belong? It's like, eh, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. so. It's still that, you know, <laughs> and oddly enough, you know, yep. because I feel like I, I can't be myself. You know, mm-hmm. I have to, you know, put on a certain face. And, mm-hmm. and, and Speaking on that, like, because we, we talked to, oh, we had Garrett McQueen from Triloquy mm-hmm. on last week. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about uh, what the interview that came out with uh, Titus Underwood and him oh. talking about how he, right, first of all, yes. <laughs> and then just talking about how, you know, this, this level of conformity that you feel like you absolutely have to do to play in those orchestras specifically as a person of color because yeah it feels like a like we have to go in and put on our it's more like a face and a hat honestly at this point and so so much that we feel like we lose ourselves in order to feel like we fit in right for me and and like i um in order to deal with that i i went reverted back to um something that i discovered just kind of by accident uh, that wasn't supposed to be used for that, but I actually use it for so many different things. That is a, my meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, originally I got into the meditation by accident. I was just doing yoga and like, uh, this guy's like, come to my meditation class. And, uh, and then I used the meditation and then it, and for me, it was the, the, the magic solution to getting over the audition hump, like breaking through. I had taken like uh, 28, 30 auditions. But you know, once I took the meditation, I won three auditions in a row, right? So just like a major break. Everyone write that down, write that down. Meditate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, after, but after that, you know, when I started, you know, just to you know, keep like concentration um, and to, to deal with like, um, uh, like difficulties of the job, you know, and like nerve issues dealing with people uh, different like uh, situations, conductors, blah 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 blah, and then like you know, uh, the whole of as we I mean, always dealing with uh, you know, um, uh, a black man in a in a in a in a white world, so to speak. Mm. You know, um, kind of like um, I don't know if you know this with the Invisible Man. You, you know, uh, mm. uh, it's a oh. famous um, Harlem Renaissance like. Uh, um, Langston uh, uh, Hughes, yeah, yeah, well, great, great book. Anyway, um, but like for me, it was the, the meditation. It's like helped me, you know. It's like um, all right, well, I kind of have like this sheer, and like so the meditation helped me to like all right, I'm entering here. So, like all right, you can you can do your code speak or whatever. You know, but mm-hmm. you change, you know. And, and it's like our understanding is like, all right, this is me inside, you know. And so making decisions and, and, um, and thoughtful, mindful decisions um, uh, with respect to everyone and keeping as much as I can true to myself. Mm-hmm. It's difficult, you know, <laughs> but it's that, you know, it, there's definitely still the feeling. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm. I don't. I still got my coat on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think you you're speaking because uh, to all of us you're speaking to that because um, even 
now as I'm in the teaching profession, I walk into different clinics or different um, sessions, whether it's Midwest or uh, Florida Music Education, GMEA, all these places. And then you look around and you see, I'm one of one, I, I'm the only one. Um, I was selected for some conducting symposiums and uh, we just got to see who's all going. And I was like, I'm the only black person. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, how am I supposed to feel about this? Is it, did I really belong here or am I, it, am I here because of a number? They need that one black person to say, we are diverse. Which one is it? And so when you talked about that, it really, it really uh, kind of spoke to us. And I asked Michael when we were in college, I was like, so tell me, where are the Black professional trumpet players? Please name them. And I think, because I usually am the sassy one of our group. So I was saying this to Michael, I said, name five Black trumpet players. Classically, go. <laughs> and then he named two. And then I said, see, here, now you see where the problem, you don't think about it until it somebody says it right in front of you. Think about this and here you go. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to, uh, from your perspective, do you see things changing for the better now that you are now becoming a teacher and you are now inspiring um, different Black trumpet players and any other type of minority trumpet players to go after their dream? Do you see it changing? Um, so yeah, I'm um, so yeah. All right. <laughs> I, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I got <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, like sorry. too much. I want to like say at the one. Yeah, right, so, yeah um, I, I do. I do. I do see it changing because like I'm, you know, I'm a very like a positive minded, like an individual and I, and I see it changing and I hear it, you know, um, whether it be through, um, uh, like teaching in um, um, my my teaching um, things that I do or or performance things I, I definitely like uh, uh, see and know like several young up and coming like like smoking black trumpet players like mm -hmm. for sure for sure um, now what goes into plane is like well I just want to make sure you know they don't necessarily have to come and study with me, but like, you know, I just want to make sure that, that, that we have like a network or something that yeah. has like some type of support for them, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, trumpet is a very white male dominated like instrument of the orchestra for mm -hmm. sure, for sure. Um, the other thing, you know, I mentioned like this invisible man, you know, the other thing I don't like is like, you know, um, it's like, you know, I didn't even, you know, when I went to Sphinx for the first time and I, and I, I met uh, Langston Fitzgerald, I'm like, I'm like, who's, who's like, who, who's like, who's Fitz? He's like, oh, he plays in Baltimore? It's like, and I was like, there's a black trumpet player who played in Baltimore Symphony? You gotta be kidding me. I had no idea. And like, and that's another thing, you know, it's just like, all right, let's, you know, they're there, but let's just kind of mute them. Yeah, you know, mm. make it mm. invisible, you know, mm -hmm. and so you know, and I and I'm like, wait a minute, it's like, and it's like, we got to stop that too, you know, just kind of like thrown to the side, all right? Yeah, they're you know, it's like, they're, it's like well, they're there, so know, yeah, we're, they're there, they're that one <laughs> that check box of oh, we are diverse, we have that one check, and but you never want to hear them, 
and and he's you know and like you know he's uh, um definitely you know uh you know wilmer wise is another um um it's like kind of almost knowing your history uh wilmer wise was a uh, um you know uh, out of philadelphia he was like principal trumpet in a brooklyn philharmonic played in a philadelphia orchestra it's another trumpet player that you know it's kind of like you know it's like people you ask like yeah who's wilmer right like, i don't know it's like wait a minute no we got to get these you know exposure mm-hmm. you know? and them out to the and so like you know there's like a um uh trumpet player a young trumpet player out in um the uk he's like his name's aaron he's doing fantastic this young kid uh has been to haiti he's fantastic you know so I'm, I'm so i'm seeing younger uh this uh, a kid at juilliard um what's his name uh, he William Leathers. Yeah, that. Yeah, William yep. Leathers. Yes. Yeah, another. Yeah, it's it's so you know, they're out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like not. You know, just, let's mention some of these mm-hmm. like folks. You know, let's, let's get, get more of them. <laughs> yeah. Now I have a question. Um, like this whole we've seen a huge push in the band music world after last summer and all the events that happened about pushing um, music by either young or old, uh, by POCs, any, anybody but white, right? <laughs> when, like I know, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, when is it like true diversity and when does it turn into tokenism? Like, oh, because of all that happened, let me play, um, and this is just for an example, this Adolphus Hellstork piece, not because he was first of all, an amazing composer that we rarely talk about, Mm. but because we need to, you know, like, let's just play it because we need, we need to just to show that we are changing. You ain't doing that. You ain't doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, and that's, all these like things like, you know, dealing, you know, when people ask, it's like, yeah, can you play, you know, and I'm like, Hmm. It's like, you know, can you play this concerto? It's like, when is it? February. It's like, hmm. February. <laughs> Can't you ask me to play in December? Or you know, and, and, it's, and, and, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's just kind of like a balancing act, I, I think, you know. Um, and, and also with the hail store, you know, uh, William Grant still, it's like what I was talking about a little earlier about like, you know, m- muting. Uh, it's like like black you know making things invisible mm-hmm. it's like yep. wait a minute it's like why didn't i hear about this but before him? why didn't i know this you know, you know langston fitzgerald played second trumpet in, you know mm-hmm. and and it's and, and it's it goes back to an all-inclusive thing you know but it, it has to come from uh, a place of gen- genuine yes. realness and not okay. like a, a place of and you can tell when it's oh, like absolutely. a box check, yes. you know. Uh, yep. I mean, there's been a, a, already several examples of that, you, you know, without getting into too much trouble. But, like, yeah. I think everyone knows <laughs> what I'm, I'm referring yes. to. And it's just like, come on. Like, really? Like, let's, let's you know, let's just be real with this, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, we've, I mean, we've had these, like, conver- I, I don't know, I've been having these conversations for, for I don't know, years mm-hmm. you know amongst the mainly amongst like my fellow um um, um 
uh, black musicians in, in the classical in the classical world. Um, but you know, uh, and I always, you know, said, so, well, well, there's always kind of an approach when there's something bad that happens. It's like, okay, we have to be in this together, right? But you know, um, so we're in this together, and then the, mm -hmm. then it, everything cools off, and then mm -hmm. the same thing happens. Yep. After yeah. a while, and so yep, it's like yeah, it's, it's like a cycle. Yep. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, and so. I'm I'm almost like, <laughs> so you know what? Let's just keep the iron. You know, let's just keep it burning hot. Yes. But like, flood it. You know, why not? That's what that's what happened to us. Yeah, know? exactly. You know? Why not? You know, it's like well, you know, um, it's like Newton's law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and I I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to get too like, uh, crazy, but you know, I I think. I think we, we, we need to like do this and continue, continue doing it, you know? Yeah. And something with when Garrett McQueen was on last week that I wanted to bring up, you know, like I was talking about, you know, thinking about, oh, well, I, you know, I have my master's recital coming up. So I'm thinking, okay, what are the pieces I want to do for it? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a black female, like black female flutist. And my, I feel like being myself, who do I relate to the most? Like black females who are in this field. And so having, you know, people like Valerie Coleman out in the field, Alison Magenthal, Flutronics in general, who are composing pieces, it's something that I'm like, I want to pay respect to these, these women who have fought so hard to be in the positions that they're in, you know, and something he talked about was, yeah, like the only thing is, you know, some institutions will go, okay, well, you know, but will that count? Is that the right music for a master's recital? You know, is that, and, right. and I understood what he was saying because if you go think like, okay, what's gonna be on my repertoire list for an orchestra audition? None of that, you know, no, no, no piece. I won't see Omar Thomas on the list and I won't see Valerie Cohen on the list. I won't see that. And that's why they're like, well, that doesn't really fit to this. And it's in exactly what you said, like, well, if this changes, this also has to change. You can't just be one thing. It can't be one person. It has to be, or one group. It has to be a collective whole that wants to work towards that goal. And that's like, that's where we're at now, where we're not, it's certain aspects we want to change, but we're not doing the overall, like full overarching connection that needs to happen in order to bring actual change. You know, it, it, I, I want to mention this, uh, um, and I hope she, I don't think she would mind me mentioning it, but the, the bassoon prep professor at uh, UT Austin, um, uh, she actually, um, I think, made a requirement that the, you know, when you audition, you have to perform a, uh, a piece uh, by like a, an un, underrepresented, like a mm. composer. And I, I love that. I love that. Great idea. Like how how great is that? You know, mm -hmm. that's you know, you know. So maybe it's not a you know the you know Bach or whatever, but you know, it's a it's a start. Mm -hmm. you know? And so you know, my point is that let's just start somewhere. You know, exactly. And we we have to you know, and and I always say this too is that we we can't like like you know like black folks we can't do it by ourselves. We need white people to help mm -hmm. us. You know, you know, uh, and like hand in hand. That's you know. And I and I I'm totally like down for for that you know and like um, um the as, as far as like um like like uh, like composing 
um, with conductor, there's so many like teaching mm-hmm. in, in academia. It's like you know how many like uh, black professors uh, get tenure, all mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole, yeah. With academia, performance. Yeah. Um, um, even um, the higher ups past uh, like your your uh, your deans, you know, the people who mm-hmm. decide yep. like where the money goes, and that's where we get into problems like oh dollar signs like no we can't do that (laughs) and that's where that that you know i think that's where you know you know we we get control of those some dollars you know Mm -hmm. we can definitely make some differences happen and change for sure absolutely absolutely and and what you just said about there we don't have enough representation not just in just trumpet playing but even for me as a conductor i look to see where are the black wind band conductors where are they i can name probably ones that are not at a a historically black college or university like at uh, more of a pwi or something like that where are they i know rodney dorsey um yeah that that's where you kind of like okay well this that and that um dr william blake but where are they? I know they're out there because they're my friends. I'm one right here, but where are we? Um, and so until we, we uh, Dr. William Lake was like, let's just flip a chair. Let's flip, flip, flip the table. Let's really get in here and let's do something. But we're gotta get in first to really do some changes. And so thank you because you are now uh, Professor Trumpet at one of the big uh, universities. I personally love me some UT Austin. I hope to be there one day. And so to see you in that position and starting to change it, it is just to me, even though I'm not a trumpet player, it is just so enlightening for me to see um, because it's finally these changes are finally starting to happen. So thank you. No, no, no. I mean, I'm uh, and, and <laughs> right now I'm like wearing a lot of hats and, mm-hmm. and it's not because like, I, you know, I feel like I want to, but I kind of feel like I have to, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I got my uh, like toes dabbled in a couple different organizations on purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because like, um, for me, I just want to make sure we um, have like a a community, but like that it's like, like that it spreads everywhere, you know, Um, and uh, in addition to stuff like this, you know, I mean, I do uh, meetings with different work. I'm on a um, uh, um, special board at New World Symphony. Um, mm-hmm. Also a member of like the Chiniki organization over in um and and, and like hearing their issues that they're having. It's like crazy. <laughs> it's like different, but like you know, kind of like one in the same. It kind of boils mm-hmm. down to you know essentially the same thing. And so. Um, so I, I this is why I think you know I think the you know you know people like 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 Chi Chi the um, she's a she's the person who discovered the Chiniki Orchestra um, or Chiniki organization excuse me um, Aaron Dworkin with Sphinx you know mm-hmm. um, and like all all these you know, and and young like Titus Underwood you know mm-hmm. Weston Sprott you know uh, becoming a, a dean. And Julie, this is, you know, this is beautiful. You know, yes. I mean, this is like, all right, this is starting, starting to happen. Let's keep the iron going. Let's keep it hot. You know, let's, 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 let's go out and like, um, and, and do as much as we can to, you know, 
you know, like spread the love, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that I think uh, was really cool to see i think for the grammys this year was the the performance of porgy and best that was chosen to you know um that one that received a grammy and um i wanted to know like what you're you know obviously you being a part of that or the um the met i'm sure that was a huge thing for you all how was that received among musicians of the met well that uh well <laughs> that was an interesting one because like the musicians of the met as you know we they haven't been paid in like hmm. you know like a year and like um and, and they're you know it's, uh, and if you look at the, the award it's like you know the award goes to the met uh orchestra and, and chorus right and stat mm-hmm. and um cast you know and for best opera recording but you know you have like a this person who's a um who's um like running the show who's like not paying the musicians so we just kind of felt it's like wait a minute we just got you a grammy but like that's like kind of a shot but like so aside from that you know the um like for me doing that 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 run was great you know going you know the gershwin society requires that um the um the the chorus and the cast be all black you know that's or like or you can't perform it and so it was really like like wonderful like just going <laughs> um like what you know, night after night seeing that and what was amazing was like all those sh- it started out i think we did the run was like seven or eight shows and it was just like all sold out you couldn't get a ticket yeah <laughs> and what i loved about it it's like i'm walking into the met and like seeing back and i'm seeing wow i see black people in the audience yeah people it's like hmm <laughs> sold out so much so they added shows yeah mm-hmm. wow added shows wow yeah opera yep action speak a lot sold out and seeing people that you normally don't see in certain chairs probably yes. should do that some more maybe we should yeah. you know especially when some of the orchestra's chairs are not being filled oh yes. yeah that Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a whole. I'm. This is a quarrel. Me and Lauren and Anthony have been because I'm not the huge fan of or I'm like a wind band person and like yeah. chamber music and I like orchestra like like on the big pieces where I get to play a lot. But I was just like, we go to orchestra concerts and I'm just like, maybe if we change some stuff all the seats would be filled we would have young voices who want yeah. to be in it and this yeah. is where it falls all the way back to high school and middle school yeah. like encouraging and showing them that there's people that look like picking repertoire that suits your classroom is extremely important yes mm-hmm. and that's why showing your classroom that you can be that great if you work at it and i think that's just a message that should be shouted out loud a lot mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, a, and even the chamber music world, you know, it's like you see chamber. It's like, wait a minute, like, I, and chamber music is it's kind of you know because it's like there's no auditions really, like or screened auditions, and so mm-hmm. I'm seeing like, wait a minute, where, where are my my black soloist, you know, right? I don't, I don't I don't see it. So you know, there's a there's a project that got um, uh, postponed, but I think we're gonna do it. It's gonna be like um, 
uh, uh, performance of soul, uh, through the Library of Congress with, a, um, um, I think, a, um, I don't know if you know Dr. Zim Abdullah. Um, he was a you know, black conductor. He was a uh, music director again in Germany. Mm. Um, but he's like organizing, r running this like a concert and, it, and it's going to be a soldier's tale and fiddler's tale. Ooh. And it's uh, all all black musicians. So it's it's oh, myself, yeah. uh, uh, the trombone is Weston Sprott, Melissa White, a violin soloist, uh, um, yeah. Javon Gilliam, who's principal timpani in National Symphony, um, and um, Anthony McGill, I believe. I think he was uh, maybe he backed out. He's you know, Anthony. Um, but it's, uh, all all black musicians like across the board, you know. I love uh, that from from um, um, uh, major orchestras and across the country, and um, and it's gonna it it it's, it's, it should be dynamite. That's amazing. And, and, and it's, 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 we haven't figured out the restart date, but it'll, you'll you'll hear about it. You definitely hear about it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we will. I just want to say thank you for coming on today and giving like your wealth of knowledge we were wondering if you could possibly lead us through like maybe a five seven minute short or, meditation or just whatever a little whatever whatever meant just like to show our audience to show us like what like what you do and like how it could be helpful just in everyday life not just particularly music i was just explaining this to a student uh before i i came on so um one of the first, uh, so my meditation teacher taught a couple different types of meditation. And so one of the meditations that he taught was a uh, walking meditation, right? And so I was explaining to my student today, and it's like, well, you have to have patience when you're playing, practicing, right? It's like, it's like walking meditation. So the walking meditation, you start, you stand up in, the, in a comfortable position you put your hands in a comfortable position in front of you. And you say to yourself three times, standing, standing, standing. Like in a nice, relaxed, you know, kind of maybe like, like a tempo, something similar to this. Standing. 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 The next step, you say three times, intending to walk. Intending to walk, intending to walk. After you say that three times, the next step is right. When you say right, you lift your leg up, goes, you move your leg forward and down, thus, and you step on the ground. The sole of the foot hits the ground. You feel the coldness of the floor. You're supposed to do it barefoot. So you feel the coldness of the floor. And then the next step, left left up goes drop thus all right so what this does this whole step you know standing three times ending to walk and, and then walking so what it is is like you the moment of where moment of calm right the moment of intention which is a very important thing this intention like um like you're meaning to do something everything is meaning meaningful right and then the execution and so um in a uh practice session i have a fast like right so it's like all right you sit back it's like well i'm gonna do it slow you know i'm gonna all right i'm 
say to myself, okay, all right, I'm going to do this slow, do it as slow, do it as slow. It's like, all right, let's do it slow, intending to play it well, intending to play well. All right, let's play it well. Doing it slow with the metronome um, and like a, uh, with, with intention, right? The way I do it um, in performance, you know, if I have, um, um, or I, what I used to do for auditions, you know, I'd, I'd have the excerpt in front of me and say, so, intending, I'm going to say standing, of course, three times, intending to play well, intending to play well, intending to play well, playing well, playing well, playing well, and then I would play. And that, you know, that moment, it's like a moment of just like slowing everything down and taking my time and very relaxing. So the walking meditation um, is, I would say, would be the most immediate meditation where you actually sort of feel something. Now, uh, the walking meditation, I do have to say, the, um, that's the first step. Right goes thus, left goes thus, right goes thus, left goes thus. And so the next step after that, um, well, the, the last step, it's like 10 steps in the actual st uh, motion of walking. So the last um, um, instruction is something like um, heel up, lifting, moving, dropping, touching, pressing, treading. Stuff like, so it's like you're breaking down something that you actually think about or don't think about and like breaking it down into like multiple steps. The end result is like your focus becomes, focus and concentration becomes like highly um, um, activated. And so, <laughs> so you're in the moment, right? And you're not thinking about, and so you have this halo, right? Uh, um, around the halo is the corona and those are all the thoughts like oh you know this that you know the subway the guy over here but you know it's like you know the, the kids oh no yeah all the stuff and so we're like okay to the you know okay I, I i understand um diversions you are here but we're gonna be friends today and i understand you're here you're not gonna go away and i have uh my circle of concentration and we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with that for today. So that's like a general synopsis, I would say, uh, of, of uh, uh, meditation, um, of the walking meditation. Mm. Uh, I would say, hopefully that's a, uh, something that's useful. Definitely uh, with a, the meditation thing for me, it's something you have to practice mm. uh, like anything else and be patient with, right? Practice and what you'll figure out, it's like, you know, although the walking is like immediate, like something, um, the uh, the other types of meditation, it's like a cumulative thing. You you do it over time, and like a month later, you just notice it's like wow, you know, I just don't get stressed when I when I step on the subway all of a sudden. Mm. It's like that type of thing. Very beautiful journey for me, discovering meditation. Wow, I feel so like zen right now, like. <laughs> I just feel like I just got a reset in my brain. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's great. That. That, man, I practice yoga too. And so, I mean, there's different breathing exercises you can do that'll, that will that make you feel like your head, literally make your body feel like, oh, okay. <laughs> but there's like I mean, literally hundreds of forms of meditation. 
you know, that's nothing. awesome yeah that oh. yeah thank you so much for walking us through that and just giving us an idea of how you how you go about your meditation and uh, we're so just thankful for the conversations that we had with you and everything that you're doing in our community and that we know you will continue doing at UT and at the Met and everything so thank you thank you very much thank you thank you for having me this has been wonderful and like um and thank you michael for staying on me and being patient i know like <laughs> we've been in contact so please forgive me sir i'm just no yeah. it, it was great i was like this is a training <laughs> i was like i got it i got i, I was like i was like I, we cast the line and we got to bring it in <laughs> but no it was a great experience and again thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for thank just for meeting me. us it, it 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 means the world so yes and then thank you i mean I, and i and I've, I've gained three new colleagues and friends so yes yes, yes. love to see I, it I, I feel like I'm, I'm just like hanging out and having a call <laughs> exactly that's what we want that's what we want <laughs> but thank you guys for watching uh, make sure to check out you know everything down below all our links to everything we're gonna have some more cool amazing guests just like mr hunter here later on look out for our summer series that's gonna be coming out soon as well and stay safe we'll see you next week bye